Because we live in a Puritan police state, we are obliged to inform you that we may sometimes use explicit language. Now that you've been informed, <laughs> things are about to get weird. Welcome to another riveting midnight edition of What I Had Heard Was. I am Jennifer. And I'm Anna. And I'm riveted. <laughs> nice to meet you, riveted. It's good to have you here today, uh, being a part of us, our group. Can you activities. tell us a little about yourself? Yeah. I'm so excited. <laughs> I'm excited because Diane's back. Yay. 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 I heard that you thought of me as your third leg. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> You're my tripod. <laughs> I'm flattered. Yeah, we were all we we were all weeble wobbly without you. Yeah, we don't know what to do. I could tell you what to do with the third. <laughs> <laughs> Hang a sock off of it, maybe. Or yeah, yeah. I missed you guys too. <laughs> Thank you for holding down the fort. We Very do well. We can. Yeah. We try. We try. Yeah. What are we talking about this week? Well, you guys talked about dangerous duos last week. Yes. And I thought it was just so cool to listen to you guys talk about that. I thought that this week we could talk about one person with dual lives. Mm. Da da Not two people. Gemini. Right. One life, one person with two lives. I'm a Gemini, actually. Are you? Yeah. Yeah, I definitely feel that split. How so? I don't know, but like torn. I feel like I'm always changing my mind. So not maybe I'm impulsive and it, maybe indecisive. A lot of people say they're like two-faced. Mm-hmm. So. But see, I wouldn't call you two-faced at yeah. all. Like that's very completely. Would you call her two-faced behind her back? No, I wouldn't even call her two-faced <laughs> behind her back. Like to her other face. I would tell both of her faces <laughs> that they are very honest and reliable and yeah. Not deceitful Would you at all. tell both of these chins <laughs> <laughs> that they are reliable? I, I can oh, tell, yeah. I could tell you that Bruce Campbell is super envious of your chin. <laughs> if anybody's it's ever read his uh, autobiography, it's uh, If Chins Could Kill, because he has a sweet, sweet chin. Obviously, people are going to lead double lives when they have a mistress or mister. <laughs> what is it called? <laughs> What is the male version of that? Side piece. Okay. Yeah, let's go with classy. I like it. Yeah, I don't know. Well, and, I mean, okay, so besides the whole sexual thing, everybody always has, like, a mask that they wear in certain situations. It's like they're when you're talking to your friends, you use very different language and attitude and body posture and all that stuff than when you're talking to, say, your grandma, for example, you know, or you're at church or you're at work at business well I guess depending on where you work like places like Diane and I work you know we can still act like bums and it's fine I work here so yeah this well, is as good as it gets for me well we'll see <laughs> we'll say normies you know for the normal population you know everybody's got a mask that they put on They're trying to present their best self their most professional self etc or even the opposite like when you are internally scared or have anxiety or whatever so you try to put on a brave face or a happy face if you're facing depression those kind of things so there's always you know the duality of man it's like nobody's just one thing there's there's multiple sides and facets to people yin and yang exactly exactly you know what was it you got two wolves fighting inside of you and whichever one you feed is the one that gets fat you know i think that's how that saying goes, but it's... I think it's gets strong, but go with what you know. Yeah, you know, exactly. All my animals have been fat, so we'll go with it. I don't think any of them have been very strong. <laughs> but we all have that. There's no such thing as a cut and dry. We've talked about this before. Even the bad guys in TVs and movies, and in their minds, they're the good guy. They're trying to do a good thing. They're trying to revenge their honor, etc., etc. So all of us, in some fashion lead a double life. Some people triple, <laughs> which is why stories like these are so fascinating. You know, we all have like these emotional double lives that we live, but when somebody is actually has an entirely separate life than what you think that they have, then you're just like, at least for me, how do you do that? See, the thing is, is I don't have two lives at 
one time. I just then start a new one when I get done with one. I'm like, okay, well, I'm doing this one, so now we're going to move on to the next one. <laughs> You're like, I do that, too. Cut and run. Hi! <laughs> You're like Madonna. You just, you know, reinvent yourself and go on, right? Yeah. Typically, it's after one of those, oh, fuck moments. You know what I mean? <laughs> I do. I do. What do you think the line is, though, of really having a totally separate life? Is it Roger on American Dad, who we've talked about before, you know, where he just <laughs> doesn't even acknowledge that that other person or other character exists? Or is it really like... Would you consider having a dual life if you go to work and you just really have to put on this entirely different mask? You have to act like a totally different person. Well, I mean, I know that there's minorities who have to do that on a daily basis. Mm -hmm. You know, they go into work in a predominantly different culture, you know, in a predominant, let's just say, there are black folks who go to work where they are the only black person at work and they have to act like the people that they work with. Um, there are a lot of stories about that. There's TV shows about that. There's jokes. There's songs. There's called putting on a white face. Mm-hmm. And to fit in, to excel at their job, whatever culturally repressive thing that they feel that they have to do to excel at work. It's, Which they're likely correct, unfortunately. Yeah. yeah. Right. You know, and so it's, it's a lot different... I have to put on dress clothes and go to work, and when I get in the car, it's like, ah, oh, you know, you rip that stuff off, or you, you get home, you take your bra off. It's a completely different thing when you have to do that on, like, a social, emotional change. Every single thing about the way you speak, the way you act, mm-hmm. the food you eat, even, sometimes. So, yeah, some of it is done just to fit in out of necessity. Mm-hmm. Some of it's done because these people have very taboo tastes in things that they participate in well that's the kind of, that, those are the folks that we're talking about today because that's a lot more fun than the fun guys. yeah <laughs> well anybody who's like too we, we, too anti anything you know who's like all oh, gays are awful oh you know and they just run around all the time saying this you know what they're doing you are participating in homosexual behavior because why else would you care? Mm-hmm. Why does it bother you? The one who smelt it, dealt it. <laughs> you know, it's so true. It's like back in kindergarten. It's like whoever's yelling the loudest is the one that probably did it. Yeah, and it seems like, you know, if you Google, what is it that, uh, how do you know somebody has a secret second life? And it's all very obvious things. What oh. does your gut say? I don't know. Please do tell, because I, I am super oblivious to a lot of, th- like, there's so many things that I'm like, I'm just not going to pay attention to that because, hey, they want to live their life doing some crazy shit. That's cool. And so I put blinders on to a lot of things that I just don't recognize sometimes. You haven't figured out my alternate life. See? Point number one. Right. How long do we spend together? Like, all the time we're together and got you. But, like... <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, the past 40 years? Like, what? Yeah. Uh, okay, so... You just know something's wrong in your gut. Something tells see, you. I, I, see, I dated somebody who had an alternate life that I did not know about. And we can get more into this later, but. It's true. I even met him. Wow. You met him. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. And. Uh, I mean, I thought he was a weirdo. I, did you know? No. You I did? did? Well, I thought something was weird about him, but I never would have guessed he had a whole second life. Yeah. I was yeah, just I didn't like, even. Uh, I didn't even get the weirdo vibe, so next time, please give me a heads up. Don't you, like, after this shit happens, you're like, dude, why didn't you just let me know? See, that's, okay, so people say that all the time, because I know I've said it to somebody, like, dude, let me, help me out here, right? But the thing is, is if somebody is really into somebody else, it doesn't matter what I think about that other person. If the two of them are into it, and they... That's their weirdness. That's their kink. That's their whatever. And you're digging on it. Great. Good for you. Go enjoy your lives. And that's fantastic. And whatever. So it's always kind. Of, it's always hard. Like yes, I, I want your insight. I want your whatever. But ultimately, it's that person's choice. Yeah. So it's kind of hard because well, it's like I do want to be bluntly honest with my family and friends, but then they get mad. So. <laughs> Well, what are the signs to see? Like, I want to kind of check off to see. Okay, so uh, one was they're away for travel frequently. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I think that doesn't (laughs) have to be 
for sure, you know what I mean? But I think that's a really good indicator. So unreasonable boundaries. I wasn't quite sure what this meant. There wasn't a lot of explanation. Yeah, but I could see that. You know, it's like everything's great. Just don't ever go into this room. This door's always locked. This room is, you can go anywhere else you want. <laughs> Beauty and the Beast. But never go in this room. <laughs> never touch mm. Daddy's desk. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, I was thinking that it could have been for the other person. Like, pushes your boundaries. But I guess that doesn't really make sense, huh? To take things away, it could be. You know, your boundaries mm. of what's acceptable for what, you know, the behavior you'll accept in your relationship. Mm-hmm. Because those can slowly be manipulated to the point where you're like, what the fuck am I doing? <laughs> right, right. Any of those. So another one, they don't answer direct questions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the people who are who distract you are the best at this, you know, who know how to distract you. Where are you going this weekend? Oh, just another work thing. Hey, those are some really nice shoes. Why don't you go put them on so we can go have dinner at that really nice restaurant you want? Oh, okay. <laughs> there you go. You what is it? What is it? You can you can dazzle a woman with cheese. Have you seen that meme going around? There's, no, but it's true. There's this meme. I'm already dazzled. And it's like <laughs> it's like somebody's pointing to a line in a book and it's from like the 18 1700s or some shit like that. And it's like, you can, oh, fascinate, that's what it is. You can fascinate a woman with a piece of cheese. And that's just one of the ways to get a woman back in the 1700s. And it still works today. I mean, if somebody gave me cheese, yeah. if you want to go tell Joel, it's a secret to my heart. If he doesn't know that by now. I feel like he way knows that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is why every time we get groceries, he's like, did you get the cheese? Yeah, he wants to make sure. It's a good man. He's looking out for you. So someone signs someone isn't leading a double life. They make sure you order your cheese. Okay. Mm-hmm. Lies, obviously. Catch mm-hmm. them in a lot of lies. Mm-hmm. Some people are good at lying and some people aren't. I was reading something this morning that said that lying shows that your brain works better or some nonsense like this. Could be. Like I maybe mean, if you are a really good liar. Yeah, well, just because the fact you're able to keep track of all those different storylines, then your brain's, yeah, because, see, that's the thing, like, I am a horrible liar. I will embellish the shit out of a story because it makes the story better, but I am a horrible liar because I just can't keep that shit straight. I have to remember what it is you said. Yeah, exactly, right? I have to remember all this stuff. I just, yeah, I started doing this stuff in high school, and I realized I was just bad at it. I was like, (laughs) you know what? I'm done. I can't. I'll just. I'm not even going to try anymore. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, if somebody lies, at some point you know. But that's when you get those blinders on, Mm -hmm. you know? So exhibits confusing patterns. And I thought this was really interesting. It seems like that's something that domestic abusers do. Or they just keep you confused. They're constantly moving the goal. Well, I would say leading a double life is definitely a form of abuse. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So I think they go kind of hand in hand. Uh, blurts out offensive truths. Now, just so we're all all aware that somebody who blurts out offensive truths doesn't necessarily have a second life. Sometimes they're just assholes, like myself. And, yeah, I do that sometimes, too. But, actually, Anna and I have this agreement that we're just going to be honest with each other so that we don't waste a lot of time, and, and it's worked phenomenally. Yeah, no need to lie. No need to tiptoe on ice cubes or whatever they however that i don't know i'm usually really good at cliches today i'm just fucking them all up you're a mess get your life together i know right walk on ice tippy toe don't um, break the ice that walk on ice walk on ice is that it no it's like walk on eggshells that's what it is walking on eggshells but it's like walking on on ice yeah (laughs) thin ice thin (laughs) ice thin Thin ice Yay! Oh my we God! Got there. How many? So how many of our listeners are actually yelling this at me? And it's <laughs> fucking thin ice. Just for Christ's sake, say it. Sixty-three. Move on. Yeah. So thank you guys. Um, <laughs> it all came through. I appreciate your help. Ah, <laughs> uh, blurts out offensive truths. <laughs> <laughs> I just blurt. Keep secrets, which I think kind of goes in line with lying. I mean, mm-hmm. if you're, you have a secret, you're lying about something. Well, see, I think keeping a secret is not saying words. It's just not saying things. Whereas lying is saying 
untrue things. Well, there's lie by omission. So sure. failing which is, to, which I think would kind of be Which would lying. be the, yeah. But yeah. I think that's what they're. Or secrets, yeah. Where they're drawing that line. They've got some, some idea of what they're talking about, even if I don't. <laughs> there's crazy. I mean, there's all kinds of, like, catch me if you can. Mm. Fran, Frank Abagnale Jr. and Diane's buddy, old Tommy Tom. Tom Hanks was oh, talking about. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Has you guys fallen out of, of touch? What's going on? Well, when you, I thought you said Diane's body at first <laughs> instead of Diane's buddy. And then I had to think, like, A, did I murder someone? Or B, am I highly attracted to a celebrity and who would that be? So I just went through a little rabbit hole in my head. I'm glad you made it out the other end. I'm almost there. I'm crawling out now. Oh, see, so also... Your buddy, Tom, old Tommy Tom's in it. No. Another one? Anna set her up. Yes, please. Leonardo DiCaprio. <laughs> Pants. <laughs> uh, yes, Tom Hanks is in it, but it's about an actual, but that, that movie's about a real guy, right? Sure. Yeah, it is about a real guy, and he really did do, like, he wrote and cashed over two and a half million dollars in Pan Am checks. Because he just figured out, he said he was a pilot, so he could hop flights all over the place. And then he said he was a student who wanted to interview a pilot, and he found out everything he needed to know. He got the uniform, and there he goes. I love when people find loopholes. It's it's you amazing. Know? And then he worked as a medical doctor, like a practicing medical doctor. <laughs> and you're like, the fucking sack on you, buddy. You know what I mean? Right. Fake it till you make it, man. Yeah, like, he has no no concerns over not being good enough for it. He was all about it. I'm but, impressed. I and it was a great movie. Oh, it was it's a fantastic. Super exciting. Movie. Yeah. yeah, they arrested but him in France. That sort of stuff, though, they could get away with longer, though, right? Before. Uh, yeah. And they, the FBI hired him to consult on fraud and scam cases. So I'm sure a lot of the information they have now. I mean, he, he worked for them for 30, over 30 years. Yeah, all the loopholes he found, they locked all those down. Yeah. Yeah, nowadays it's, it's so much more difficult to do these kind of things because of facial recognition. Right. Um, the Internet. I mean, people are helping to track down murderers and killers and stuff via social media. Familial DNA. Like, yeah, it doesn't even have to have exactly. be your own DNA Right. Now. Exactly. Exactly. Your your Aunt Martha signs up for 23andMe because she's doing some genealogy, and now your dumbass is in jail for, <laughs> you know, for murders that you did 40 years ago, but you thought you got away with. Right. And that, that you was a universal you. That's not directed at any of us right here at all whatsoever. It's, it's She actually meant it of all the listeners. We're on to you. You murderers. What about people who are having a dual identity just because they need to dissociate with, let's say, their their real or primary life? So maybe they're not creating this other life for malice or, to, you know, because they're, they want to hurt someone else, but really just because their real life is so bad. You mean like uh, some drag queens? Yeah. You know, so there are performers... Not just drag queens, but actors, musicians, etc., who have their on-stage persona. There are uh, podcasters and uh, radio DJs, etc., etc. They have this otherworldly personal character that they create so that they can live a different truth or be a different entity. Don't you think that same reasoning goes to people who have affairs? You know, they end, and then they end up with two families, and they're like, well. It wasn't done initially. To be clear, I am not condoning this in any way. But do you think that the people who have multiple families are doing it out of malice or spite or are along the same kind of started with this pretend life? I think that those are um, what I'm talking about, what you're talking about are two very different things. But as far as why anybody starts to do this, it's all a very individual thing. you know. So I don't think that there's any serial killers for example you know there's like a a list of you know oh they killed puppies and you know they tortured animals and they're usually like this or usually like that etc etc whereas people who are living dual lives i don't think that there's any one consistent thing as to why they started doing what they do i mean because what i was talking about is like these personas that folks 
take on. So, you know, so I mentioned drag queens, for example. Any sort of performers or entertainers have their onstage persona and then their real lives. And a lot of folks say that they have created this alternate identity because through that identity, they are able to do things that they can't do in their normal lives. You know, so they have more confidence or they, um, they're a lot more outgoing or, you know, they're more sociable or they feel better about themselves. They feel prettier. They feel stronger. They feel more accepted, whatever, you know, so it's kind of like this folks in the SCA feel that same way. You know, they have these characters that they create where they feel more like their true authentic self than their everyday life going to work at some schmo job, etc. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure if those are the reasons why. Well, I, I think I, was, I meant more like as far as dissociating, the separation is caused by the need to dissociate because of a bad life. Mm-hmm. That those same things can be driven to people sure, who have sure. multiple families. Yeah, okay. So then, we, yeah, okay. So who did you uh, find out about? Uh, actually, I just briefly looked into Frank Abagnale Jr. and then our buddy John Wayne Gacy. Oh, right on. You want to talk about Fucking a little John Wayne? Much. Uh, you know. I mean, he's a pretty midnight edition guy. Everybody knows, I think, a lot about him. He worked as a clown for children's birthday parties. He, at one point, managed several KFCs. I mean, if you do that, I don't know how you can be a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Finger looking good. <laughs> Did I ever tell you the time when I went to a uh, KFC and they were out of fried chicken? No. Yeah. How is that possible? That's what I asked. So I go in. I'm like, hey, I, I, I want a bucket. <clears throat> and they're like, yeah, we're out of fried chicken. <laughs> I laughed. And she's like, I know, I know. But she's like, we do have the rotisserie chicken and then we have chicken strips. But the actual, like, fried chicken that they're known for, they were out of for whatever reason. I went Nobody to... wants the rotisserie chicken. I I didn't. I went to Burger King. I was like, all right, fuck you. Guys. Like... I, I went to Taco Bell once and they were out of meat. Yeah, that's in like everything. That's in every, well, I don't know what Taco Bell's doing now. Like once they got rid of the Mexican pizza and refried beans, I was like, you're dead to me. I don't care. They brought back some potatoes, but I still haven't gone to check it out. I'm pretty angry. Yeah. Yeah. Damn it, Taco Bell. You had such a good thing going. Why did you ruin it? And if you want to respond, our email is what I had heard was at gmail.com. Yeah, if you want to give me some Mexican pizza, we can talk. Otherwise, I don't want to hear it. Also, KFC, if you would like to respond to why you ran out of fucking fried chicken. Jesus. Well, I think it was just that one store. So I don't know if it's like literally the whole chain. You know why why that happened? Because I was hungry. Because Gacy was managing it. Fucking Gacy. Yep, he fucked with your chicken. I I, Honestly, I I really hope he did not... I hope it was chicken if he did. Um, what did he... What was his deal? He, uh... So he was... In, a, in, what, in what manner do you speak, Diane? Which deal would you like to hear about? With I want to hear, hear all the deals about Gacy. Buy one, get one free. <laughs> Abreast with every thigh. Bogo. Uh, yeah. So, like, he was involved in this community organization called the JCs or Junior Chapter. It just seems like a community organization. I couldn't find too much out, but in all fairness, I didn't put too much effort into it either. A guy who was in the organization with him, his son accuses Gacy of sexual assault. And Gacy's like, no, I didn't do that, obviously. So he ends up going to prison on a different sexual assault case. As far as I know, he was never tried for that one from the JC guy. So he was sentenced to 10 years, and of course he served 18 months. And after his release, he relocated, remarried, started his own contracting business, started hiring young men, started murdering young men, started burying young men in his crawl space. Now, okay, places I've lived, opossums, raccoons, squirrels, etc., crawl into a crawl space, cats even, and then they die for whatever reason. It's probably because they ate the poison that I left underneath there for them. And then they smell a lot. Like, how many boys did he... So, okay. And from 1972 to 1978, over 33. Ugh, good lord. And people said, like, it did smell, and he didn't let people in, like, at, at a certain point. So he, he must not have done a whole lot to cover it up. 
And I remember reading somewhere else a while ago that, you know, he would give them alcohol or drugs or whatever it was that he gave them. Mm -hmm. I could be wrong. It's just what I had heard was. (laughs) This kind of makes sense. Like I was talking about murderers who have low body counts, and it seems as if there should be serial killers who have super high counts and who are committing murders every week for 20 years or every month for 20 years and have those kind of numbers. And I think he does because he's, that's a very short time. That's what, six years to murder 33 33 people. That seems like a a lot of people. Yeah. He was a go-getter. Yeah. You think he would meet these kids at like from clowning or like, I think that they were older. So he probably met, yeah, kids who didn't have, you know, I don't know. It would be total speculation at this point. I would just be making it up, which I can do if you okay. want. But <laughs> just we need yeah. to let you know ahead of time that's what's happening. What, it, what did he eat on Wednesdays? I, I mean, tell me. Meatloaf. I want all the things. Peas Meatloaf. and mashed potatoes, no gravy. Because he's a fucking psychopath. Yeah, who eats because mashed they potatoes? Because <laughs> <laughs> they ran out of chicken. They ran out of chicken. But that's it. I mean, that's right. Mr. Gacy. I mean, and that's the thing. It's like the people who do this stuff, they have to compartmentalize atrocities that they do versus how they have to go about whatever to pay the bills. Right. Because, yeah, I mean, John Wayne Gacy had friends. He went to work. There's a whole bunch of people that he met on a daily basis that he didn't kill. Right. He didn't kill everybody, obviously. Most of the people he met, he didn't murder. I I would hope. (laughs) Just based on pure numbers, I feel that that is true. I'm going to speculate. Yeah. I feel good about it. And not everybody is a murderer, right? So, right. like... Everybody could be I mean, a murderer <laughs> under the right circumstances. Right. Well, I mean, I mean, particularly people with dual lives. Ah, like, yes. I'm thinking of a film, but Fight Club. Mm, Fight Club. That's a good one. Oh, yeah. Like, yeah. one of, you know, cult classic. Spoiler. He escaped his... Oh, shit. <laughs> That's like spoiling the never-ending story. Uh, in Romeo and Juliet, they both die. In Ghostbusters. Um, Ghostbusters, they catch the ghost. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> Titanic sinks in the end. Yep. And Rosebud is a sled. So there you go. Don't forget, what is it, the crying game. Showers. Showers are good. What's Rosebud is a sled? Oh, well, now I'm not telling you. <laughs> you don't know the movie. Well, what movie? I don't know the movie. You'll have to Google it, and then you can email us at what I had heard was. At <laughs> but I hadn't heard that one. <laughs> well, it's the whole crux. I, I literally okay. just spoiled the movie for you then. Uh, one day you'll see it, and then you'll be like, oh, now I know. I'm going to call Anna up in Is my it? neighboring nursing home. <laughs> <laughs> Damn you! I finally saw it. You ruined it you all know, for me. My mom is one of five kids. They used to watch TV together and like cult classics of that time, right? So my mom and her brothers and sisters and my grandma were all watching TV one day, and they were watching The Birds. Oh with, yeah, yeah. T- is it Tippy Hedren that's in that one? Uh huh. So they were watching The Birds, and they were all like huddled around the TV, and just when it got to the end my grandfather started walking through the door. He had come home from work and they all weren't supposed to be watching TV. So they like quick flipped it off. Right. And he noticed that they were being kind of weird. And he, at the time the TVs got hot from watching them. So he would put, he put his hand up on the TV and he felt it and it was hot. So they all got in trouble for staying up late and watching this movie. And they, none of them ever got to see the end of the birds. So this is like their, what, 30, 40, 50 year thing. Like, oh, we wish you knew what happened at the end of the birds. And so I was like 25 and I saw the birds, saw the ending to the birds, and it was such a letdown. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you've ever seen the ending of the birds, but it's just like, it just like ends. Yep. There's like nope. no, mm-hmm. it just ends. And so I called my grandma up and I was like, that's it? Like, you are not missing anything. Don't you worry. Grandpa showed up just at the right time. Yeah. They never yeah. knew what a letdown it would be. Moral of the story is, don't. I wouldn't watch the bird. It's not one of the better ones. 
that's really the moral of the story. That's fair. Would not recommend. I think it's no. one of those movies that, like, at the time was amazing, you know, but now you go back and watch it, and we've been just so inundated with so many different visuals and special effects and, and the stories that, the storylines and plot twists and stuff that Hitchcock would use, everybody has copied him by now. So you go back and you watch that stuff, and now it's cliche. Mm-hmm. Right. You know? But at the time, it was like this weird-ass, cutting-edge, like, on-the-edge-of-your-seat drama kind of stuff. Like, um, double o- lots of the things in 007. Exactly. Uh, are now just so cliche, but at the and we take them for granted. But at the time, they were genre creating. Yeah, it's a imitation is the sincerest form of flattery. Didn't Sean Connery just pass away recently? Did he? No, that was a. If you say Prince Philip, I'm going to get up, walk around the table, and punch (laughs) you in the face. (laughs) No, what were you saying earlier about blurting out truth? She blurts. Uh, no, that was DMX. Is he oh, dead? Yeah. Yeah. Oh. He passed on the same day as Prince Philip. Oh. Of course the prince has to take away all the attention. Well, it just depends on which radio station you listen to. He was like, what, 480 years old? He was 99. So basically the same thing. <laughs> In dog years, yes. He was 480 <laughs> years old. DMX was so like, Fight Club. <laughs> Fight, Fight Club was a damn good movie. Well, he esca- so he was escaping his own reality that he was so unhappy with by creating this alternate life, and he didn't even really realize it. I think that happens to people. I mean, there's it's not called multiple personality disorder. Uh, dissociative identity disorder mm-hmm. is basically what what we grew up calling multiple personality. Mm. Well, I think also even with folks who don't have to deal with said disorders, you know, we want to believe these things. You know, it's like we want to believe that there are aliens. Right. We want to believe that this person is truly in love with us and not lying to us. You right. Know, we want to believe that we are a strong, independent, and fierce person, so we are going to put on this other persona to make it that way. Right. That's true. You know, so it's, it's pretty fantastic what you can talk yourself into believing to fill, uh, you know, some sort of gap in your life that you don't currently have. Right. By the way, Sean Connery died on Halloween of last year. Oh. He was 90. I feel like that's a good life. Especially Sean Connery's life. He was a sexy-ass man. Wild man. Mm-hmm. You go back and you watch those 007s or James Bond movies. Mm-hmm. And you're like, should I be pissed at this? You want to like, be, yeah. He's like, uh, the way he acts with women. Oh, yeah, no, he's a super womanizer. But the thing is, is you kind of like it. You That's know, what it, I'm saying. Like, it's like, it gives me mixed feelings. Yeah, it's like, you fuck. Come on over here, baby. Right. <laughs> you know, it's like, if you're on the bus and somebody smacks your ass, not cool. Right. But if you're in the bedroom with the man you love and he smacks your ass, or the woman you love, and they or smack both. your ass, or both, then you're like, yeah, all right. Smack it again. Pull my hair. You know? And I feel like Sean Connery was the, the latter for me. In bed? Yeah. Yeah. He caressed your hair and smacked your ass. <laughs> he pulled my ass and smacked my hair. <laughs> Wait, what? This has gotten weird. Oh, just now? Y'all gonna make me lose my mind. Up, up in, in here. here. Up, up in here. Up in here. That was a callback. Yeah. No, I appreciate That's what that. We, we in the industry call the callback. That was uh, fascinating. <laughs> Tell me more. I don't. I have not had a lot of experience with a successful callback, so that's about as much as I can offer. <laughs> um, well, I think that Earl Simmons would appreciate that. So you have a nice little curl going on in your hair, Anna. Oh, thank you. It's I quite was, cute. I was playing with my hair because whatever. You look adorable. Thank you. Also, so you looked into somebody. Tell us. Tell us more. Oh, so the dual life that I looked into that I was super excited about was because of a movie. Um, uh, most of my life revolves around movies. Uh, it's called M. Butterfly. And uh, I remember that our father had brought this movie home on VHS to watch. And I was intrigued. I was like, oh, that's exciting because I had just recently seen the opera Madam Butterfly. So I was like, yeah, this will be great. Let's watch this. 
P.S. Our dad was super weird. Yeah. I remember he brought home the original Frankenweenie. It was like this short clip movie, black and white. It was like one of Tim Burton's first movies ever. <laughs> and we watched it, and it had Shelley Duvall in it. And it was just like, what is this weird-ass thing I'm watching? Like, I love it. <laughs> like, this is fantastic. You know, he also took us to see the Rocky Horror Picture Show. Right. When we were 12. <laughs> yep. You know, so it's like... You know, so dad brings this movie home, so I'm like, oh, okay, great. Yeah, of course it's... I was just like, what in the fuck am I watching? Just because it wasn't, like, the opera that I'd just seen. So I was like, wait a minute, bait and switch, right? If you have the opportunity, it was a great play. It's a great movie. Check it out. Uh, it came out in 1988, the movie did. The play was in 88, the movie was in 93. Point is, check him out, great performances, etc., etc. It's based on a real guy, okay? This is a real scenario, a real situation that happened. The characters in this real-life thing died in 2009. Um, This is something that has happened within our lifetime. Basically, 1964, there's this dude, Bernard Bersico. All right, I don't speak French. Um, He's a French accountant working for the embassy. Uh, He's in uh, uh, Peking. He was in Peking? Yeah. Do you... Peking. Sorry, you were giving you me this like, weird face. Would so you like my, my help in <laughs> pronunciation? Because you know I'm so good at it. Yeah, go for it. Peking. Oh, see, there we go. All right, so in Peking. <laughs> he was in 1964, he was in Peking as uh, as an accountant for the French embassy. Basically, this dude like graduated high school. He went to a whole bunch of boarding schools in France and graduated high school and got a job punching numbers. China was just still was a very closed country. And um, was still a lot very secretive about things. And so being over in China in 1964 as a 20-year-old, it was this crazy magical place for him because it was so foreign. Like, it's not like today you go and, you know, you can get McDonald's on the street and people speak English and whatnot. Like, the folks in China who lived there weren't allowed to talk to these Westerners, like, unless the government approved of it. So, like, North, North Korea... I've never been. I've never been to either. I couldn't. <laughs> I wonder why you've never been to North Korea, well, fucking weirdo. Yeah, but, you know, I mean, I also haven't been to Texas, but that doesn't mean it's that crazy. The point is, is the fact that it was an f- extremely foreign place for this guy. He's a 20-year-old, out of the country, and he was very, very lonely. The only people he could interact with were the other people he worked with at the embassy, and they were all of upper-class socialites, etc., and he was just this working stiff. So they kind of shunned him. He couldn't really make friends outside of work because if any of the people walking down the street talked to him, other than, like, you know, financial exchanges, the government would arrest them and that kind of stuff. So he's a lonely man. That sounds pretty lonely. A little bit. He was at one of these parties, though. And notice that everybody's hanging around this this one dude, and they're like, he's like, oh, who is he? So he goes over, and his name is Shi Pei Pu. He's a opera singer of the Chinese opera, and now is a writer and would write operas and do different things. And so he just became super intrigued with this guy, and they struck up a friendship. And he said that when Shi Pei Pu would tell stories about his childhood growing up, it sounded like a poem. Just the words that he used and his delicate nature, because he was a very shy, very small, um, even compared to, he's like five foot four, you know, so he's a very kind of fragile looking person. Little petite man. Exactly, exactly. A delicate flower. (laughs) And so they struck up a relationship, you know, they became good friends, but there was a little something more to it, like Bernard was very drawn to him. So then Bernard's like, hey, I got this opportunity to go to Brazil, so I'm about to peace out. And so then that's when she tells the story, um, she, Pepu, tells the story of, it's called the story of the butterfly. This story sounds an awful lot like a popular Disney movie called Mulan, which Mulan's actually based off of the story of the butterfly. Well... Which is, this family, you know, had too many daughters. And so, in Chinese culture, yeah, number one son is the best. And they've actually put restrictions on people. Have You know, there have been childbirth limits, etc. Uh, so, in the story of the butterfly, in this family, there is a son and a daughter. The son is going to school, but he is horrible <laughs> at, at his studies. He's just failing. He's not doing very good. But the daughter is really super smart. 
So what mm -hmm. they do is they switch places. Because she always wanted to go and get an education, but she was allowed because she was a she. So they switched places. She dressed up like the brother, went to school, and all of a sudden, number one son started doing really great at school and, you know, excelling at his studies. While the quote-unquote son is at school, he makes friends with another uh, student. They become really, really close. They fall in love, but they don't really, can't really put a, a name on it because boys don't fall in love with each other. So the daughter has to come back home because the parents have found a husband for her. So she has to leave school, leave her the love of her life, etc. And once it comes out that, oh, the brother's really the sister. Oh, hey, I love the girl. I want to marry her. But the parents are like, nope, we already got a husband for you. And then the student who was in love with her is like, well, if, if I can't marry you, then I don't want to live. So he kills himself, and then she's all sad about it. So she's like, fine, I'll still marry you, but let me go pay my respects. So she goes to the grave and kills herself, and they both die. And it's all sad. A um, love story for the ages. Yeah. They get buried, um, and then all of a sudden these butterflies start coming around the two graves, and they say that the two lovers turned into butterflies and flew away to live a happy life. So Bernard's like, Hey, I'm peacing out. I'm going to China. Or, I'm sorry, <laughs> I'm in China. Hey, I'm peacing out. I'm going to Brazil. And then she's like, wait a minute. That story of the butterfly I told you, that's my story. I don't know if you've noticed, but my hands are really small. And my face is really smooth. And can't you see? And he's like, oh, you're a woman? And she's like, huh? I can't wow. say that out loud because I am being a man so that I can have better prospects than being a woman. So Bernard's in his head's like, oh, well, we love each other, and you're a girl, and I'm a guy, so obviously we need to have sex. And she's like, okay, not now, but we will. So eventually they have sex before he takes off. And then she's like, oh, hey, have a good time in Brazil, but I'm pregnant. And he was like, oh, shit. Well, awesome. If it's a boy, <laughs> name him Bertrand. And if it's a girl, name her Michelle. And so then he goes to Brazil. Basically, over the next, like, ten years, he kind of pops in and out of Southeast Asia, different po posts and stuff, and tries to see her when he can. But during this time is when the Cultural Revolution happened, and uh, basically communism took over. Mao came into power, and everything just got just locked down. And so the only time he could actually see her, it would be like, he was sitting on a bus stop across the street, and she's sitting at another bus stop across the other street, and, like, they could make eye contact together and stuff. Now, the whole time, she's still dressed up like a man. She's still in her mm. false persona, so nobody ever finds out, right? But he's like, oh, but I know you're a woman because we've had sex. And you have my baby. And you have my child. Now, because he comes back, and he's like, hey, where's the baby? And she's like, here's the thing, bro. That's verbatim. Yeah. Yeah, no, this is, this is word for word. Um, she's like, here's the thing. Under this new communist rule, outside cultures are verboten. Like, you just can't do it. Western devil, all that kind of stuff. So if they were to find a mixed-race child, they would just kill them. So she took the child and sent him off to a village, like, way, way, way far west in China, almost like on the Russian border, so that the child would be safe, as far away as she could get him from the capital. So... He never actually saw his child until the kid was, like, seven or eight years old. And then finally, eventually, she was able to bring him back, and, you know, they were able to meet for a little bit. And then there was this little time period where they were kind of living together for a little bit. but Little family. But it was uh, she pay poo and her mother and then Bernard and then their son, uh, Bertrand. So even then, he was like, yeah, the sex still wasn't even that good because there was just all the stuff going around and things were kind of crazy and everything was really tense. And the whole time, the only way that he could actually see her was by basically trading government secrets for the opportunity to see this, the love of his life. So he, because he worked for the embassy, he was an accountant. He was privileged to certain documents, like they would give him certain things. And so he passed this information along to the Chinese government, you know, and he thought he was doing this to save her because he's like, oh, I have to get her out of China. So he's doing all this stuff out of love, out of whatever. Mm -hmm. But as they're closer together, 
like you said, something's just not feeling right. There's right. just too many lies, too many things are weird, etc., etc. And there's tons of books and things that go into super detail about this if you really want to get your kink on, which is pretty great. Um, <laughs> yeah, there's lots of levels of, of <clears throat> duality in this. Oh, completely. There was a reporter, Joyce Wadler, who has written a book and a whole bunch of different essays and articles and stuff about this guy's life. Uh, because Bernard was just like, yeah, I'll tell you whatever. And he's like, yes, this was about 20 years of my life. For 20 years, he lived with this reality, living with Shipei Poo as a woman who's dressed like a man. And the whole time they're together, she is always dressed like a man. But she's just told him, no, no, I have to do this so that I don't die. And so all of it's just based off of trusting this other person that, oh, okay. So, like, even what's in front of his face... He's like, no, no, she's a woman, she's a woman. Everybody's like, no, that's a guy. And it's like, well, she's pretending so that she doesn't die because of the Chinese. Oh, okay. And while you're doing this, trying to get her out of China along with your child, he's also sending her microwaves or, <laughs> you know, like sending her all these like gifts and trinkets and, and toys and things to because she's always wanting more and more and more stuff, 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 et cetera, et cetera. But she does identify... She is a biological woman? Well, see, that's the thing. Because everybody thinks that Shipei Poo is a man. But Shipei Poo had told Bernard... Or but he had sex with her. Yeah. So... You got a booty hole. <laughs> so... Right you, right, you didn't specify how... I don't know the intimate details of their sex. Please continue. Well, Joyce Wadler can totally tell you all of the details about their sexual relations. And if you really want to hear it, I will tell you that at the end okay. of how they got it done. I'll wait till the end. So, 1982, right? We'll just kind of fast forward this. 1982. Basically, Bernard and Shishepu and their son all get picked up by the French government. He finally gets them all to Paris, right? By this time, Bernard has a longtime boyfriend named Thierry living with him in Paris. Once you let the cat out of the bag, he just wanted to have sex with everybody. So he didn't care. He Guys, girls, whatever. It was all good times to him. And so he convinced Thierry, I have a son and his mother. They're in China. Let's bring him over here and we can all be one big happy family. And Thierry was like, fine, whatever. So they get him all to Paris. And then one day he's walking home and gets picked up by the government. They're interrogating him for months of like, you passed out all these documents You've basically a spy for the Chinese government on your own country. Why did you do this, etc., etc.? And he's like, "Okay, fine. I'll tell you the whole story. I was doing this because um, Shipepu is really a girl, and we're in love, and that's my child, and this is why. So it was all done out of that. It's nothing, you know. Blah 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 blah." So the government's like, "What? But that's a man." It's like, "Yeah, that's what he says, but it's really a girl." So the government's like, "Fine. Do a full physical exam." We need to know. So while they're in jail, radio comes on. And it's like flashing news that this Chinese spy is actually a man. And that's how Bernard finds out that the last 20 years of his life was basically a complete and utter lie. And he's in prison. While he's in prison. Yeah. But that's so complicated. That's why this dual stuff is so complicated, right? Because he presented as a male. Yep. He had male is it sexual organs right yep. that they but somewhere inside of him that's what i want to know i want to know did he think he was female did he identify fem as female or was he lying obviously he was yeah. lying in so far as that's not their kid well, well uh, good point so even in that okay so wait a minute so who was lying was shape you're asking him was shape poo lying or did shape poo identify as a woman both, I think, is what oh. she's asking. Shay Pipu lied about tons of stuff. Tons and okay. tons of things. What I personally think happened was that both of these were gay men in the 60s when it was not okay to be gay. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. so Bernard wanted his love, his affection, to be towards a woman. So he's like, oh, this is why I have these feelings. Because you're a woman. That's why, obviously... Okay, cool, right? Um, Shay Pee Poo, as a, as a Chinese opera singer, men would play female roles all the time. You can't just Cartman right in the middle of a serious sentence and think <laughs> that we can play it cool. <laughs> I know, it got me. <laughs> 
time. So the opera singers, so the men would play female roles. And so I feel like Shea Pee Poo may have also been. <laughs> say that again. Shea Pee Poo. I, w- I, I was just thinking I could sit here and listen to you say that over and over. Well, the, but I think she said it was like a Cartman spin. Sh- ooh. Shea Pee Poo. Like that? Is that what she's talking about? <laughs> yeah, that's so good. So their son, Bertrand, has a Chinese name. It's uh, She Do Do. <laughs> so I just kind of left that one go. Because uh, you know that we're adults. Because I knew, I knew that this would not go well. It's but, fine, but then when you put the cart and spin on it. Shit. <laughs> My apologies. I... <laughs> I really, I really am trying to say names correctly, but it's obviously not working. I don't. You're mean, doing great. I don't mean harm. It's beautiful. Um, so I feel like both of them, you know, were gay or bisexual or whatever. But uh, Bernard eventually has had sex with men and women, so he just in- embraces his bisexuality and goes along with life. Depending on where you live, it's still illegal. You know, you could still like even in 2021 and you can be killed for that in countries still this day so i feel like either way either way they had a relationship they had a connection right right? but she definitely uh lied about a whole bunch of shit but then on trial she said oh but our son is still bernard's son because he was conceived through artificial insemination so somehow when they were doing their things, etc., etc. Would she, like, have some chick come in and, like, scoot along the bed or something? No, I mean, same way you artificially like a, inseminate like a turkey baster, like, you go right up to the bed and be like, oh, I'll take care of the wet spot, honey. Go on. And then yeah. you pull it out from under the bed. You're like, Pfft. I mean, that's how I do it. I don't know. Yeah, fair enough. Gross. <laughs> so then Bernard was like, great, well, at least that's my son. And then during the course of the trial, they're like, yep, yeah, that's, li- that's a lie, too. Um, Shocking. Yeah. So basically, she had purchased a child for this deception. So, Ugh. so her kid. Yeah. So they both get put in jail for six years. They, they were at the same prison. Where's the kid? Uh, child services. <coughs> I don't know. By this time, he, he was like 16, 17 years old. Oh, so. he's probably like peace. Yeah. Um, I think he's got a. Oh, a family with children and stuff. I think that's what I read. Well, I hope he's very happy. And I mean, I that's sincerely. So. No, uh, yeah. I mean, having to go have through this all is... this. <laughs> yeah, and it's not quiet. Like, people like us are sitting here talking about his real life. Oh, yeah. It was it was huge news in, you know, the late 80s. And then the fact that, you know, there's movies and plays and right. articles. And the fact that Bernard has absolutely, you know, like, he'll talk about this stuff. You know, mm-hmm. he come interview me. He's like, yeah, all right. He's like, yes, this was 20 years of my life. But I've been around for a lot longer. He's like, I've had some crazy-ass adventures. You want to hear about Brazil? Let me tell you about some shit that happened in Brazil. You know, it's like all kinds of... He's like, I was in a jungle. Like, you want to hear about some crazy stuff? This is just one aspect yeah. of his life. Yeah. So, and why did he go to jail? What did he do wrong? Uh, he passed along government documents to the Chinese, like, from the French embassy. Oh, so his so, was more about treason. Uh, espionage. It's kind of a sexy word. Yeah. Espionage. The funny thing is, is he only got six years because this, the information he passed along was really kind of boring. You know, it's like a, oh, hey, we need an extra cheese tray and <laughs> um, some new chairs for the waiting room. Because he was an accountant. Like, they're not giving him, like, super highly classed military documents. You know? So he committed treason by sharing government intel, but... It's like if somebody would spy on my phone account. You're really not going to get anything useful out of it. But yeah, so all of this stuff, it's like he wanted to believe. He wanted to believe that that was his child. He wanted to believe that this first relationship that he ever actually had was truthful. And he himself believed that he was doing all of this to help this woman out to live her true life. Because the, her whole life she was living like a man, as far as he knew. Everything that he did was because she told him. The whole idea he had for 20 years of what was going on was because of what she told him. Mm-hmm. And you have to think of how many times she was caught in a lie, flat out caught, because there's no way you go that long and have all of those things happen. Yeah, well, and when you were saying before about, oh, here are some red flags, mm-hmm. um, her red flags all, were all there. 
Um, there were secrets that she had. She didn't tell certain things. Um, she was very evasive, a lot of lies. The fact that, you know, they couldn't see each other for right. long stretches of time. It's you know. all there. You're right. Yeah. yeah kind know. of run down the list. Check, check, check. Yeah. To your point about wanting to believe, I think when you see these signs as a person on the other side, like at a certain point, I think there are more reasons for you to believe the justifications for these than there are reasons for you to see the warning signs. Right. right. So right. like you see the warning signs, but then you're like, oh, but if these aren't true, then I'll be happy. Yeah. Maybe I'm just being a little crazy. Yeah. Right. Right. There's no possible way that this person is actually a dude and has lied about having my child and all of these other things. There's no way. Like, that just seems crazy. For instance, though, like, I guess what I mean is what they're offering you. There's more reason for you to believe that than contradict it Mm -hmm, and believe what might be true. So when they say, when she said or he said, well, I really need to stay a man because if I don't, they'll kill me. As sensational as that sounds it works out in your favor to believe that because then you're in a happy relationship well as happy as the story played out but yeah. right. you know you want to help you want to right or you're you in know. a relationship you know which he had never had before right and then if you were to be like oh, no they're lying to me. so i'm yeah. just going to continue to color my i'm i'm coloring a coloring book that says fuck you monday fuck you I, I think that's pretty legit. Um, <laughs> I agree. Fuck Mondays. And... The only other subject that we can or cannot talk about was Ted Bundy. That's who I immediately think of when I think of dual personalities. He, yeah. And, yeah. I mean, he's what, the, you know, everybody knows Ted. Ted's stories everywhere. Before. Yeah. Yeah. But why, why is he your automatic go-to? Um, so they just did a Netflix series on, or actually I think it was just one movie on Ted Bundy, but they told it from the perspective of his girlfriend. Oh, interesting. And so, because Ted Bundy lived a dual life, he had a girlfriend in his hometown and then he kept saying that he was going off to law school. And so he would commit murders there wherever he went to law school. I think it was Salt Lake City. And then he would come back home to his girlfriend. And so he had this whole other life. And then she would start to see that the murders were happening there. And he was always missing while it was happening. And it's like, when do you call the police? And when do you speak up against somebody that you really care about? Because you realize there's that dual identity happening and that they really could be like this person that is so loving because his girlfriend had a child like a 10-year-old or, some, you know, a, a young adult or a, an adolescent child, and he was so good with her, and he was so good with his girlfriend. And so, again, to, like, get yourself to believe that this person you think you know so well could be committing these atrocities while they're traveling, while they're saying that they're doing this, this, and this, but they've got these really strict boundaries. Right. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, the, it's the where's the line of hurting somebody emotionally versus like hurting somebody physically it's like the when this stuff gets dangerous and then she was you know like i'll stand by you i stand by you and then at a certain point she decided to let it go because she had to let the whole thing go because it was just eating her emotionally right and he he married a woman who thought he was innocent and i think at some point she divorced him when she was finally convinced that he was guilty. Yeah, and I think that was somebody, and this is just a memory I have from the movie, but I think that was somebody he met after he was already in jail. Yeah, I think she was, like, working on his kid, you know, a supporter, because he had, like, crazy amount of supporters. People were sending him fan mail, which is horrifying. Right, right. Getting People still get... People get bite mark tattoos of his dental impression now. Like, that is so insanely fucked up. We'll have to add that to our list of things to talk about later because I really want to start looking into people who develop relationships with murderers after they've already been convicted of a murder. 
Huh. Or Th- that's, that sounds like next week. I'm sorry, did I take yours? No, I was just I got excited. I'm like, oh, we could talk about that next week. That's Agreed. what I'm thinking. I'm always fascinated by why is somebody gonna do that? You're already in jail. Like this is our. There are people who are in jail that were wrongly accused and prosecuted and etc. Like I get that, right? But not all of them. And how? Yeah, I don't know. Anyway, we could talk about that next week. Uh, I'm excited, and right now I am excited, want to eat, and go read about people who enter into relationships with people who are already in prison. Uh, Ladies, thank you. Thank you so much. What I had heard was we are out of time, and we will see you next week. Visit our website at wihhw.com, where you can sign up for our newsletter, see guest links and information, and some fancy extras. Also, check us out on Facebook at at What I Had Heard Was and Instagram at What I Had Heard. And if you really want to get something off your chest, shoot us an email at whatihadheardwas at gmail.com.